Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. Welcome into the show, getting ready to talk NFL draft this week, which is always a lot of fun. Uh, How many mock drafts are you up to this year for the Patriots Wire, Henry? You usually have a bunch. Yeah, usually we're going nuts, and we've got trades, and we've got madness. I believe I have only done, it might be three, but it might also be two. I, I kind of, I've done so many different iterations of draft previews that I kind of forget if it was a mock draft or if it was focusing on different players. I, I did a list of 18 different players the Patriots could take in the first round, so that seemed a bit excessive, but whatever, <laughs> I kept diving deeper into the rabbit hole. Um, but yeah, it's it's been um, a busy draft season, even if I haven't been super mock draft heavy this year. Well, when you do approach a mock for Patriots Wire, you're using a simulator, right? So you're on, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about the process because we're going to get into it. We're actually going to do one live on the show this week. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go through uh, Henry's kind of mock draft process. We're going to see who's available in the simulation. We're going to we're going to make our picks and kind of make commentary based on who's available. But take me through your process a little bit. I switch around simulators kind of throughout the process because I think one thing we underestimate as as draft analysts and just people, fans do the same, is is that it's pure chaos. Like the draft never goes how we think it's going to go. There's always someone that falls way down the board. There's always somebody that goes way up the board. There's just these, you know, enough smoke screens around who each team really wants to where, you know, you don't necessarily see it coming. So what I see a lot on Patriots Twitter is like the same eight players getting picked every single time. And to me, that's so boring. It's like, like the draft is fun. It's total insanity. So for us to be like running through the simulator every time and seeing, you know, just like the same, like Matt Ariaza, the punter, um, and I think San Diego State, he's like an insane punter. But for some reason, he's always going to Patriots fans mock drafts. Zach Tom, he's a super versatile interior offensive lineman, also going to the Patriots in every mock draft. And we'll get through some of the other names as we go through this. But I hope that, you know, I, I like, for example, I got I was on the Dax Hill train, like in my first mock draft. And you he's were. become a superhero. Yeah. I was thinking yeah, about super, you prepping for this. I actually be thinking about you because I'm here, seeing a lot of Dax Hill out there. Right. And so he was he was a player that early in my draft research, I was like, that guy is Devin McCourty 2.0. They might try him out at cornerback. They might move him to safety. Um, but I just like it as a thinking exercise to like go beyond, you know, what is popular opinion and just go a little bit outside the box. So 
but yeah, so right now I've got the PFF mock draft simulator up. I just ran the simulator to get us to uh, the Patriots pick at 21st overall. I do not think that the Patriots will be interested in moving up in this draft because there is not necessarily that star caliber talent um, depth. As in, there are probably like eight to 10 players who are truly elite uh, prospects. And for the Patriots to get one of them from 21 is almost impossible from a draft capital standpoint, at least impossible to justify, right? Because like, unless you're getting a quarterback, it's stupid to jeopardize future draft years just because you think a guy is that good. So they sit at 21 and we've got actually a pretty great um, slew of options here. So I'm going to get, I'm going to give people the way that we're going to do this today is I'm going to tell you kind of who's on the board. And then I'm going to walk you through who I think should be in play. And then Ryan and I are going to pretend that we're general manager and coach. I'll be the GM. Ryan's the coach, even though there's, I'll be macro. He so can I'm be, Belichick. Oh God. Yeah. Maybe I should be <laughs> Belichick and you should be macro. And so we're just going to talk a little bit about, okay, what do we need? Who is this player? Why would we want them? And the board looks really good, honestly. We could address any position of need that we want. So what does that look like? There's Bernard Raynum, or sorry, Raymond, uh, tackle out of Central Michigan. He's a guy that would be a perfect candidate to put as a backup behind Trent Brown, Isaiah Wynn. And he solves the impending contract problem that the Patriots are going to have at tackle, which is Isaiah Wynn's contract expires after this year. They have to decide if they want to extend him or whether they want to move on. Guess what? If they have Bernard Raymond on the on the on the roster, they and they develop him properly this year, they don't have to worry about Isaiah Wynn. They can just say bye-bye, get a third round compensatory pick for him or or fourth or something when he leaves in free agency and then slot in Raymond in 2023. So that's that's the the player that is the top prospect on this draft class. Uh, big board for PFF. Another option, uh, Georgia linebacker Nicobe Dean. Dean is five foot eleven, two hundred and thirty pounds. That is not the type of linebacker the Patriots typically have in the middle of their defense. But as Matt Gross said during his press conference, and again for those who are sort of kind of getting in the loop in the Patriots draft process, Matt Grow is the Patriots director of player personnel. He is the number two behind general manager Bill Belichick. And and Gro is saying, you know, the guys that the Patriots love to play at inside linebacker, i.e. Teddy Bruschi, i.e. Dante Hightower, even Juwan Bentley, a bigger linebacker. Those guys are, as Macro said, quote, they don't exist. Um, they're going extinct. Uh, that's my words. So Dean is an example of where he's small. And he's not exactly what the Patriots like, but he is an absolute playmaker. He can he can fly sideline to sideline. He's agile, worth consideration at this slot. But then we get into the receivers. I can hear all of the Patriots fans cheering through the headphones. The receivers include uh, Ohio State receiver Chris Olave, ranked the 21st best prospect on the big board, and Sky Moore out of West Michigan ranked the 22nd best player on the big board. Olave 
in my mind, plays a lot like Antonio Brown, uh, but without the Antonio Brownness off the field. That's a positive. Yep. <laughs> and Sky Moore plays a lot like Julian Edelman. So you've got two smaller, speedy, agile wide wideouts that run a significantly diverse route tree. They can run it from any spot on the offense. And guess what? Receivers are incredibly expensive right now. So to get one, they're making quarterback money. So to get one that's that's this good and this inexpensive at 21st overall, and to have a receiver depth chart that will give that player a year to learn the Patriots system, I mean, those, those two guys sound pretty good, right? But there are more options. And I'll be quicker about these ones. Zion Johnson, a guard from Boston College, you can plug him and play him right in that left guard spot that they need to fill. They do not have two starting guards. They just have one. So they should probably pick one up in the draft. And if it's not the draft, then they got to address it in free agency after the draft. And then there are two cornerbacks, Kair Elam out of Florida and Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson. So those two guys... They project to be, you know, cornerback ones someday. They're both more zone players today. Elam is not the best tackler. Uh, Booth is recovering from hernia surgery, but is a polished prospect. I prefer Booth to Elam, but I know Patriots fans like Elam for whatever reason. So, which prospect sounds interesting to you based on roster construction, right? There's Andrew Booth, who's going to be on the field for the Patriots day one as a zone defender and hopefully developing into shutdown corner CB1 by year two or three. But on the flip side, you got Chris Alave. Same story, a receiver who can get on the field year one, but probably won't be receiver one until a year from now or two. And again, I think I'm going to get back to tackle. I like Raymond as a guy that may not play at all, actually, this year, but solves a big issue at blindside for Mac Jones in 2023. Yeah, what I do think, you think? I think tackle, I, I would not be heartbroken if they go tackle. So if they went with Raymond, they just went with the guy on the top of the big board, I'd have no problem with that. I want to talk about corner a little bit, right? Like, yeah. So I'm guessing that Trent McDuffie and like Derek Stingley, these guys are off, right? Somebody, th- yes. those guys are gone. Uh, okay, yeah, so some so, of the dream scenarios are gone. But so Andrew and Booth, Stingley went at eighth overall. So I know fans were like, maybe <laughs> Mel Kuyper says Stingley might fall. No, he no. wasn't within reach. I thought McDuffie, McDuffie was had at a chance. Yeah, McDuffie was at fourteen. Okay. So again, not within reach. And then there was a run of kind of um, like quarterback, a little bit of receiver. Yeah. So then it. It fell to where we are now, where your best cornerback, in my opinion, is Andrew Booth Jr., who is a good player, a very good player, but he is not a tackle or a receiver. So <laughs> right. not yeah. not technically setting up Mac Jones for future success. So I thought, it, you know, say the Patriots went and either moved up for one of those like top corners or, you know, went ahead and made that selection, made made the selection for Elam or Andrew Booth. I kind of love that as a fan because I feel like addressing corner in the draft for a guy who could start from you for, or for you week one is like a win now kind of move, right? It, that's them saying, we need to stop the pass. 
We can't have Jalen Mills be our number one corner and then not sure what's going on behind him. We got to have a guy. Let's go get him. Let's win now. That's why I love it. The issue here, Henry, is that Belichick almost never drafts cornerbacks this high, right? The only guy, and you mentioned him, Devin McCourty. That's his only first-round corner. And Devin McCourty ended up being a safety, obviously, right? So he's way more likely to go find the undrafted guy and coach him up like he did with Malcolm Butler and J.C. Jackson and Jonathan Jones. So uh, as much as I would love them to go corner in the first round, uh, I would be ecstatic as a fan. I just don't think they're going to do it. I- I'm rooting for it. I just don't think they're going to do it. I think if Chris Olave's there, if Chris Olave's there at number 21, he might be the best receiver in the draft, right? He's got a chance to be. It would be hard to pass up on him. But again, I don't think I don't think they're going receiver in the first round either, Henry, because of yeah. that Devontae Parker move. I think they're more apt to wait and hope maybe like a John Mechie falls to them later on. I'm between the first two guys you mentioned, and maybe this is getting, you know, maybe this is too boring. Nicobe Dean, that playmaker on defense, or just go and get your arguably your number one need, which is offensive tackle. Um, because yep. as we've talked about, they're always thinking ahead. They're thinking the 2023 and beyond and go with the Raymond kid. So I'm between those two. Go ahead and make the final selection here. I liked your really good case for Booth, which is like, why would why would you draft Olave or Raymond? Guys who are going to need a year to develop. Why not get your guy that it makes an impact right away in round one and then develop your guys that come from rounds two and three? My logic is, okay, Chris Olave versus John Mechie. The difference between the two players in year one from a projection standpoint is probably a few hundred yards, but in year two, it could honestly be identical. Like you might think these two players in the same offense will be similar, right? So maybe you wait, maybe um, what's happening recently is a guy that I loved for the Patriots, the Georgia receiver, George Pickens. He went from being like a second round draft pick to now like a late first rounder which drives me crazy, but that is what it is. So that was a guy I liked the Patriots taking the second round. Um, An injured player that is a legit wide receiver one. But I think John Mechie is just the same. So let's let's scratch receiver this round. Yeah, I like it. You you got the Alabama connection too. You got the Mac Jones connection. So I'd I'd rather wait for Mechie if we can get him later. So I'm, I'm debating... We've got Raymond or we've got Booth. And it's a really tough decision. I think you go Booth. I think you go Booth because as, mu- as, much, as, as much as Raymond is, solves your future problems in a year, Booth solves your problem right now and in a year. It's not like they know that Malcolm Butler is going to be good next year or Jalen Mills or Miles Bryant or Sean Wade or whatever. Like they don't have an answer for cornerback this year or next. And, you know, cover two corners are a dime a dozen, but the Patriots are going to win in the NFL if they're running cover two all season. So we're making the decision. We probably already ran out the clock on the decision anyway. Someone else got their pick in. <laughs> we're taking cornerback Clemson, Andrew Booth Jr. And all of a sudden, that defense looks very different. I but, love it. Bill Belichick surprising us too, making that de- decision. So I love it. Unfortunately, we're back. We're back. Well, fortunately, we're back on the clock. Unfortunately, the Colts took my guy, George Pickens, at 42 overall. So we are looking at a tough decision in terms of like, did we want to fill this wide receiver spot at 54 overall? Or, you know, 
John Mechie is the you know 74th best player on this big board. We've got a lot of picks in this draft. What if we think about, okay, we know we want John Mechie, but we it's a little rich to get him here. So let's let's address a different position. Let's look at maybe the linebacker. The, well, well, we'll take the best player available, but there are a few linebackers and tackles that I like on the board here. And then what we're going to do is we're going to trade up in round three to go get John Mechie. As long as he doesn't go in round two, you know, we're going to try and get up into the 70s to get Mechie before someone else. Like maybe we jump, we talk to the te- the Texans at six, 68. And um, that way the Jets don't get him at, at 69, which would be nice for them. But we'll see I like what it. happens. Um, okay. So who's on the board at 21st in the second round? And that is 54th overall. We have Leo Chanel, the linebacker out of Wisconsin. This guy was a tackling machine last year. Um, I just did, which everyone should check out. I just did talking about Patriots draft prospects. One target for every round of the NFL draft. And actually, the player I liked for the Patriots in round two was Quay Walker out of Georgia. Um, but it was a debate between him and Chanel because Chanel is six foot three, 250 pounds. That is a big linebacker for the college game right now. Um, but I just favored a Georgia guy over a Wisconsin guy because SEC is faster and more competitive. Um, Chanel had 95 tackle or sorry, 96 tackles, but he had eight sacks. So there's some versatility there, two forks, fumbles, um, I just think maybe there's enough depth at this linebacker spot that they don't have to jump at him. Another linebacker option, though, while we're talking about it, Troy Anderson out of Montana State. He was a guy that actually played quarterback for Montana State for a while and then transitioned over to linebacker. Is a freak athlete and racked up about 100 tackles for Montana State last year. So there's there's a high upside prospect that the Patriots could bring in in round two. Classic Patriots move, draft and develop a second rounder, right? Um, the other player I don't know as much about, but will say is worth consideration here. Tackle Abraham Lucas out of Washington State. Um, there's actually Luke Godkey, or forgive the pronunciation butchering here, but he's the other tackle at Central Central Michigan. He was playing on the right side. Um, so that's a guy worth consideration. And then, again, offensive line, Dylan Parham, uh, guard out of Memphis, a guy that you can plug in and play. Again, they need that guard spot filled one way or another. And to get somebody maybe in the second round that could be that starter is something they should strongly consider. What do you think? How are we feeling, Ryan? Well, I think, you know, Troy Anderson, has, you said he, he played quarterback for them before switching to linebacker. I mean, I, if that doesn't have Belichick Q, written QB all over it. QB to LB. Yeah, yeah I strange, mean, if that, doesn't have, if that doesn't have Belichick written all over it, um, I, I don't know what does. So, uh, And it's a defensive player. I, I might want to read a little bit more into this guard because, like you yeah, said, we have, we have no right guard. Uh, somebody's got to play there, and if if we're gonna 
you know, if we're going to trade up for uh, Mechie in the third round and we're going to start looking at the offense, like we got to protect Mac Jones. He got smoked a few times last year. Uh, if we can plug in that guard spot, I feel pretty good about that in the second round. Okay. And I, and I like what you're saying. The one thing that Bill Belichick would say is that he doesn't like what you're saying, which is they, don't, they shouldn't be drafting for need, right? And, and the Patriots never do that. So unless they think Dylan Parham is like actually one of the best players on their big board, they might not take him. Um, oh, the, the last player I think we should humor here is Josh Pascal. He's a defensive end outside linebacker that's six foot three, 280 pounds. So he's sort of a true defensive end, a guy that they could plug and play across from Matt Judon. So just throwing in another name here of a guy that I think is probably a better player than Parham, but might not play as quickly. So let's let's narrow it down. And maybe you've already made your decision, so that's fine. Do we want proven production? From Leo Chanel, do we want upside at linebacker from Troy Anderson? Do we want um, a versatile edge threat in Josh Pascal, or do we want a plug-and-play guard in Dylan Parham? I I think uh, I think the most Belichickian pick is Troy Anderson. <laughs> I still I'm still leaning towards Troy, Anderson. That is a that is a classically Belichick round two pick. That's where I'm at, but um, I'll, I'll let you make the final call. Let's do it. Let's do it. And, and Belichick's like, well, we'll just we'll just uh, find somebody in free agency to play guard. We'll play James Ferentz at guard. And is this a kid that's probably going to end up going in the fourth round, Henry, or something, this Anderson? Um, no, no. No, he's he's rated very highly. Teams really like him. Okay. I mean, we'll see. So now let's start talking about we really want to get ahead of the Jets before – Let's make sure the Jets haven't picked a receiver yet, just so that we're not chasing. Yeah, because they, they have like two picks in the top 10 or 12 or something, right? The Jets? They do. And they were expected to take receiver. Yes, they got Garrett Wilson. Okay, so maybe we don't have to jump above the Jets for, but maybe we want to get above the Ravens. So let's try to get up to 74, where the Falcons are picking. Eh, where the. Yeah, where the Falcons are. Taking. Yeah, they have no wide receivers. <laughs> They'd be a good team to target. Yeah, it's tricky. We won't tell the Falcons that that's what we want. But that's what we want. So we're we just get on the phone right now with Atlanta, and we're like, hey, you know, we really see that spot that you're in, and we're really interested in it. So let's let it resume. We're looking okay so far. Sixty seventh pick. Oh. We didn't get high enough. We should have gone up and uh, gotten uh, Mechie at 68. Okay, so Mechie's gone. He just went off the board at 71. Okay. We were playing it too cute. Here we are at 85 because we missed our opportunity to get that receiver we wanted. But guess who's on the board? Dylan Parham. So I think I think what was a win, ultimately, we get that guard that we wanted. Yeah. Um, unless you unless you want a developmental tackle, which is Luke Godkey, but uh, I think we go with uh, Parm here. At Give me the guard. Yeah, we thought about him in last round, so that's that feels like a win. Feels like we're getting value. Just because we didn't address that that position that we love so much, which is receiver, I'm going to send us into round four just for funsies. So bear with us, and we're going to see who's on the board now 
in round four for us to target because ultimately I think it would be a good idea to come away to make sure that even in this mock draft, we come away with a receiver. So let's see. Receivers here are, and this is what happens. Like this is what, this is the sort of level of disappointment I think that happens if you if you hesitate on receiver for round one or two, where we missed Garrett Wilson and then we missed Mechie. Either one of those would have been, you know, really game-changing threats. Now we're in round four, and because receiver is so highly valued, round four boasts a guy named Danny Gray at SMU. Not crazy about him. Um, he ran like heck, a 4.3 40-yard dash, but but he's like really he's a he's a wide receiver three in the future. Like I don't think that he's necessarily going to be a game changer. Um, you look for football players, not athletes. Yep. Uh, and so if a guy like who's this good of an athlete is falling that late, um, not necessarily a huge, um, huge reassurance that like, you know, so there's that, uh, let's see, what's, what's, what's his height weight combo? Six foot, 185 guys, a little bit lighter. There's Kevin Austin Jr., Notre Dame receiver, um, Tested really well, but more of a contested catch guy for Notre Dame. There's Josh Johnson, Tulsa wide receiver. He's a guy that people have liked sort of in the pre-draft process because he's, you know, Tulsa guy, so not necessarily the highest level of competition, but has done pretty well in the pre-draft process in pressing teams. And then there's Bo Melton, who's kind of been a favorite. I do not like Bo Melton as most others because Bo Melton tested out of the charts, super fast, super agile, played at Rutgers. So everyone's like, oh, Bill Belichick's going to get him in the you know late rounds and develop him. thing about Bo Melton is that he catches every single pass against his shoulder pads, just bad form and leads to copious drops at the NFL level. I would have loved to see him catch the ball away from his body in college, and that would have reassured me wonders and probably other evaluators because there's a reason why he's ranked 182 on this big board so we're at pick 127 i'm going to take the best receiver available honestly and that's danny gray out of smu not a reach technically at this spot in the fourth round but basically you're you're really there's a 30 percent chance that he's an actual contributor by year two i would say now here's, of, now here's Matt Grill running across the uh, the war room to tackle Belichick before he puts the pick in. Okay, so yeah, what do you do? You like any of the tackles at this point, Henry? Do you do you like the wide receiver more than the tackles that are available? Before we go wide receiver, um, before we make before we make this bad decision, just, just take a quick look at tackle before we put this in. I'm I'm begging Belichick right now as Matt Grill. So uh, I'll admit that I just I'm, I didn't do my job here. <laughs> and I haven't done my tackle preview for this draft. So I actually don't know the tackles into round four. Fair enough. We should go wide receiver um, then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I know the cornerbacks. I did cornerback. I've done linebacker. I've done receiver. But I haven't gotten tackles, honestly, my next assignment. Um, and so I don't know them well enough. But honestly, it's it's tackle and receiver are kind of similar. It's like you're probably going to get – a 30% chance efficiency rate in the fourth round because it's such a premium position. Yeah. 
everybody's targeting the talent early with hopes of getting a guy rent controlled on that rookie deal. So, yeah, I think we stick with Gray, not just because of my lack of knowledge, but because it's worth taking a risk on a guy that's basically this fast um, and who arguably was underutilized in his offense. Um, I'll pull up his stats real quick just for funsies. He had 50 catches for 800 yards at 16.4 yards per catch, which is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Nine touchdowns. So clearly a threat when you can get him the ball and maybe they can develop him into Nelson Aguilar's ultimate replacement. So, you know, maybe he's a maybe pick. Um, He's not John Mechie. He's not uh, Chris Olave. But looking at our big board, I don't hate it, right? Yeah. Round I, one. It sounds get it. it sounds realistic, right? Because I think after the Pats made that move for Devontae Parker, I think it's more likely that they will look for if they draft a wide receiver, it's probably gonna be early day three. So I think it makes sense. Yeah. So let's review. Um, because we did a lot of talking here. <laughs> the um the draft class that that uh Henry Belichick and Ryan Grow just got here is First round, Andrew Booth Jr. Love it. Second round, Montana State linebacker Troy Anderson. Third round, I've already forgotten, Dylan Parham, guard out of Memphis. (laughs) And fourth round, uh, wide receiver, SMU, Danny Gray. So a bit cute in terms of going straight after needs. Like we, you know, like I talked about at the opening of the podcast it's usually a little more chaotic, right? It's usually like Belichick's taken some division two prospect that nobody's ever heard of at a position that he doesn't even need. <laughs> um, but you know what? We, we went with some popular picks here, but there's a reason why they're popular. These players are good and they will, sorry, just drop something over here. Nope. Everything's fine. <laughs> But these players are, are going like if this is the draft that comes comes through, then I think the Patriots would be pretty pleased. Yeah, I think fans would be pleased. I mean, again, I, I and think fans, I, of course, I think fans. It, I think if the Patriots draft a corner in the first round, Henry, I think fans will be pleased because I think that I, again, like like we talked about, that's the win down move. That's the move that says we're plugging this guy in and we're going to try to compete with the Dolphins and some of these other other teams. I mean. Another thing that Matt Groh did talk about was um, enhancing the speed on this team, right? Uh, so, you know, getting a, a linebacker that can run around like like Anderson makes some sense, um, you know, and, and then getting like, a, you said the kid from SMU is kind of a burner, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that makes some sense. That's that's getting speed on both sides of the ball. So, it's it's fitting the narrative a little bit. And then, you know, from here on out, maybe we don't go continue on with the simulator unless you want to uh, to continue on through. But you know, what are you kind of filling out your board with now? Like maybe trying to find a safety, an upside safety that could potentially fill that spot when McCordy moves on. Uh, you know, we definitely could still use a tackle, I think, uh, even if it's a developmental guy at this point in the draft. Like, is that how you're kind of filling it out from here? Yeah, I would look for, is there, is there a tackle that got hurt his senior year but went out? went out meaning like when went into the nfl draft think about what they did with yadi kajust a guy who did, didn't work out at all but they do like to do it where a player's draft prospect got 
banged up because they got banged up. And so the Patriots are like, that's fine. You're hurt, but we thought of you as like a second round pick or maybe even a first rounder, but we found you in the third or fourth or fifth. We're going to put you on injured reserve for your rookie year. And then second year, you're going to come in and compete for right tackle or left tackle. So that's probably their mindset. If they don't hit tackle, a, a talented tackle, at this point, they probably are thinking, what injured player on the offensive line could we develop and get healthy for his first year? Uh, the other thing that they're probably looking at is Nick Bailey is extremely expensive, almost $4 million this year. They might take a, a punter uh, to save them some money. And same thing with kicker. Uh, Nick Folk, they, ju they just signed him to a new deal, but um, maybe they'd consider drafting a kicker or at least signing one in free agency, undrafted free agency, to give that player a chance to make the roster over Folk. The other positions, probably just looking at, I don't hate the idea of looking at a tight end fullback. Um, I just think the Patriots, maybe they spent two th third rounders on their younger guys, but maybe those guys stink. So they just stick with what they've got, or excuse me. So they add to what they've got so that they don't have to stick with they, what they've got. Right. Right. Uh, and then what else? Um, I, you mentioned safety. De Devin McCourty is retiring. I don't think that, you know, in the later rounds, they're going to find anyone who they're like, Oh, this is our Devin McCourty replacement. Like you really just find that in the first round or second. Right. Uh, unless you are very, very, very lucky. So, but they, they're probably thinking safety um, because, as you know, Jabril Peppers might play uh, well and Cal Duggar might continue to progress, but we just, I think the Patriots really need a true free safety. Um, so that's a position that they could address. And then backup quarterback. I mean, why not? Like, consider a, a backup option. I know Mac is progressing nicely, but. Never hurts to add a quarterback to the room, especially in training camp where you kind of just need arms. So that's kind of, I think that would be what they're thinking about going into the, the next few rounds. That was fun. That's a fun exercise. I mean, the whole thing changes if we go with Chris Olave in the first round, like the entire strategy <laughs> right. changes. So right. it's just if, like, if I can see why. Olave, yeah. Maybe we would have thought about taking a corner in round two. Yeah. A guy like Zion McCollum is a guy that I like. So you go, let's say you just flip that a little. We go Chris Olave in round one. Then they take Zion McCollum in round two. He has crazy testing numbers. He was a good cornerback in college. He just played at Sam Houston State, which was not not good. Not a good level of competition, not a good team. So, um, But then you do what we didn't do, which is take receiver cornerback and really acknowledge the strength of the NFL right now, which is the passing game. So you get you get a receiver, wide receiver one, and in theory, you get a cornerback one that can, that can develop into the type of sort of Tyreek stopping threat that the Patriots so badly need. But, you know, we went the other way, and, and I think it went okay. Yeah, no, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, I think it was, a, it was a good exercise. And, you know, speaking of wide receivers and – you know, so as we were recording, Henry, or basically like right when we started recording, there was stuff breaking on Debo Samuel. So uh, basically, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm paraphrasing, but he is he has asked for a trade, right? He wants the 49ers to trade him. 
and uh, I would be obsessed with the Patriots at least doing their due diligence on that and looking into it because I'm sure it would take a lot of draft picks and it would take a, a ridiculous contract to get Debo Samuel, but I mean, that guy is fantastic. <laughs> so if he actually is on the move, uh, as a fan, I would I would hope that my team would be in on that. I think you know Belichick's not doing his job if he's not in on that. It doesn't feel very, very realistic because of those things I just said. But you know, what do you think about Debo Samuel potentially being on the move? And he better not end up in the freaking AFC East. That's all I got to say. If it's not the Patriots, yeah. Well, the Jets are definitely going to be in pursuit of Debo. I'm sure they already were. Yeah, because that um, would, that would just suck if he ends up with yeah. the Jets. I mean, because I love the player. And then he would end up with my my least favorite team of all time. So I mean, I don't, I would not like that at all. Yeah, but that realistically, the Patriots would probably have to give up multiple second round picks, maybe just twenty first overall. I mean, I think if Chris Olave is on the board, and you could just pay him a rent controlled rookie contract, I think you'd probably rather that than give up twenty first overall and an enormous contract to get Debo Samuel. But who knows? I mean, in all likelihood, the Patriots will not have Chris Olave on the board. And that was a part of the reason why I went away from picking him in our mock draft. Cause I just, I think Matt Groh made this indication that, that basically like the Patriots, the Patriots don't expect one of the top five receivers to fall to them because Receivers gotten so expensive and teams want to draft receivers to try and keep the payments in check. So I think a lot of receivers will go in round one and there won't be value for the Patriots at 21. So then it's like, okay, maybe, maybe you do consider a guy who's as proven and talented as Debo, but you look at what they're spending at receiver right now, which is, it was, you know, top three in the NFL, most money spent on receivers it's probably not anymore because of how many receivers have gotten paid this offseason but Patriots are investing a lot at receiver right now so if I if I were to guess whether they're going to make any more moves on a veteran I would pretty confidently say that nothing's happening there that they're done they got Devontae they're moving on with the veterans they have hoping they get more out of Aguilar hoping Kendrick Bourne develops into something special hoping that Jacoby Myers continues to develop you know at least as a red zone threat and and continue to be a third down threat and then they'll kind of see where they land in 2023 when guys like Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf are actually scheduled to be free agents and the Patriots wouldn't have to give up a first round pick to add a true wide receiver one. All right, good stuff as always, Henry. Uh, so, what are you working on here? You know, as we lead up into the draft here on Patriots Wire, you're working on offensive tackles next. What other positions are you tackling um, for the Patriots Wire here in the coming days? Yeah, we'll probably do a mix of everything. We'll have uh, some edge prospects. We'll do quarterbacks. We'll do um, safeties. We will do guards. So there should be a really nice, good mix of players that you can really learn not just the draft's top talent, but some good fits for New England beyond, you know, who they can get at 21, right? Because, like, the draft is so fun, you know, the first round. But then the first round pick happens, and you're like, okay, I don't I don't know anyone get else. Much, it gets much harder. Pick. Yeah, it gets much yeah. harder. So 
it, the, the, these guides are help are are sort of designed to help people, you know, have a little bit more fun and maybe recognize the player that gets taken in round three or four or five, so that you're like, oh yeah, that's cool. I know that guy. <laughs> so when you're when you're sitting at a barbecue or a bar, you could be like, yes, I Henry McKenna wrote about that guy, and I know that he's going to be good. Well, I love it. Let's put this in the history books. The first ever Patriots Wire podcast mock draft. That's a mouthful. <laughs> uh, as was as is a lot of things on our show, right, Henry? It's a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> the Patriots Wire podcast mock draft. Uh, Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson, our first our, our first ever first round pick. How'd we do? Let us know. Uh, and don't forget to hit subscribe and follow Henry's stuff on the Patriots Wire. Uh, that'll do it for this week. Henry, you want to say bye to the people? Ladies, gentlemen. Watch Drive to Survive. You'll probably enjoy Formula One. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.